0: All right, well, go ahead and grab a seat and, uh, and we'll get going here. Thanks for doing that. And uh, again, welcome to Artisan Church, to our worship service tonight. Uh, by the way, my name is Jason. And uh, again, welcome, welcome to this, some of the parents and kids that are down there in the video room and to those who are joining us online and uh, via podcast and all those many ways. Um, just so I'll be part of the discussion as well, the farthest I have tra- ever traveled until very recently was The Bitter End, uh, which sounds very far, right? It's uh, the very last island on the British Virgin Islands, uh, but I just realized after I thought of that, that I've also been to Hawaii uh, more recently, and I, th- I think that trumped the bitter end, but that was the farthest foreign country I've been to. Uh, I hear Hawaii is like the 49th state or something, so we're good. Uh, so, um, but uh, this idea of traveling, of, of going far away, uh, is Part of what we're going to touch on tonight, we're actually in the second Sunday, uh, about two and a half weeks into the season of Lent, we began on Ash Wednesday, and we're in the second message of our series called Stones and Bones, Unearthing Faith Foundations, looking at these foundational pieces of the Christian faith and how, in our own life, we may wish to uncover some things and make those foundations our own. For those who have perhaps been Christians for a while, to rediscover those those who are exploring, seeking, and searching, to come to understand what those foundations might be. At night, we're looking at this idea of an undiscovered country, of uh, a place where God might call us. But before I do that, I want to ask a, a few other questions, just for fun, to get this travel theme all, all out of our system. And so I'm curious, how many people here grew up in the greater Rochester area? You know, they're still, obviously, you're still here. Could you just throw your hand up real quick? So... That's even less this morning, I think this morning is like 30, 40 percent, like 25 percent tonight. So, everyone gets a chance to raise your hand. How many of you are from away, as we would say in Maine? So that should be the other 60-ish percent or so. How many? I was quite sure how you ended up here tonight. So that old joke. Um, I, uh, as I hinted at, am not from the Rochester area, I am from away. I grew up in northern Maine, and I checked on Google, uh, Yesterday, Because right after the Bible, the Google, Google has all the answers we would ever need. And uh, come to find out, from here to the little town of Mapleton in northern Maine is exactly 777 miles. And I'm sure that's very significant, but that has nothing to do with our topic tonight. Uh, but I think the further we get away from our home base, from where we're comfortable, where we know the territory, the more unusual the adventure becomes this great quote from the author W.H. Auden. Odin Odin I know the right way to pronounce it and I forgot but he says this he says of Jesus that he is the way follow him to the land of unlikeliness you will see rare beasts and have unique adventures and I can say in my coming on a quarter century now following Christ I have had some unique adventures And as we talk about uncovering the earth's based foundation, this is one of those foundational stories. In fact, it's so foundational that three world religions point to this person as, as in a sense, their founder or as a key figure Uh, Islam, Judaism, and, of course, Christianity. Now, speaking of Abraham, and in this, uh, what we're going to look at tonight is Genesis chapter 12. And at this point, he's still called Abraham yet have his new full name. If you want to flip in your Bibles, it's pretty easy to find. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and there's some there under the chairs. Or you can follow along on the screen. <clears throat> we want to look at his example of, of heading into an undiscovered country and what that looked like and what that might say to us in our faith. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. There's a command there that God gives to Abram to go. And yet he's not real clear about where he's going to take him. You know, so imagine, you know, if I had the a bus all warming up out here in the parking lot and I said, hey, everybody, let's get on the bus and you, of course, would say, where are we going? And I'd say, oh, I'll show you when you get there. And you'd pull out your little pocket, you know, you know, cult reference materials, and you'd say, yeah, yeah. number seven, get on a bus, don't know where we're going. Um, yeah, some of you laugh because you've been on that bus. You know. Um, sadly, once you're on the bus, you realize way too late that you, in fact, are in a cult. Um, so that's it's a bit odd that... Uh, in a, Windows don't come down, the door won't open. Uh, God asks Abram to go to this undiscovered country. But he is upfront with him in one way, in one sense, where he's honest with Abram that there'll be a sacrifice involved. That before he goes somewhere, he needs to go from something. And he says to him, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. So when you think of country, what are some of the categories that come to mind? Uh, when you think of the country of your origin, and I think at Artisan we have oh, a good three or four countries represented at least, uh, United States of course, uh, I know we have some Canadian friends up there in the balcony yeah, and back there. Uh, I grew up 20 minutes from Canada so I, I feel like I'm you know, like 30% back bacon or something so uh, I feel very Canadian. Uh, uh, just very recently, a locum showman got new jobs and they moved away. But they've been—they've been with us for a long time. They were from India. Uh, we have some folks, uh, some new students that have been coming that are from China. Uh, we have someone here from Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> right. So, in all those places, there's different languages, different cultures, and those shape us. So that's part of it. So to leave that—that's a big deal. Uh, God gets more specific though and says you have to leave your kindred. That speaks to our ancestry, you know, our family name. It's, it's the story of, of the great-grandparents who get on a boat and go to an undiscovered country, of the family business that was passed down generation to generation, of, uh, of the tragedies that have shaped our family and made things happen. It's, it's why when we go to the doctor, we're more likely to have high blood pressure or cholesterol problems, and it's all part of that ancestry. So that shapes us. But the thing that shapes us most is that house we grow up in, our home. And God says to Abram, I need to call you from that. And so it would be disingenuous to talk about this idea of an adventure, an undiscovered country, of doing life in the way of Jesus and following him. It would be a lie, really, for me to say, and if you do that, there's really, there's really nothing you need to change. You know, just sprinkle some Jesus dust over the whole thing and it makes everything better. You don't have to give up anything. It won't strain or stress any family relationships. You won't have to make different choices than you would otherwise. That wouldn't be true. And so in that sense, God is very upfront with Abram and uh, and describes at least what he's going to have to leave. And that's one of those foundational pieces that there's a sacrifice involved when we follow God. Now, I would argue the sacrifice is worth it, but it's a sacrifice. And so it continues on, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 through 3. And here God begins to lay out some of the promises that he has. these are specific to Abram, so we shouldn't imagine that we're going to become a nation or or have some of these things going on. But uh, the principle of God wanting to bless, I think, comes through here. It says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 through 3, God says to Abram, in sense, if he does this, if he goes and follows through, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. So again, this is specific to Abraham, even if you'd wish this was true of you. And he says, And in all the families of the earth and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so some other foundational pieces to faith that we begin to see here in Abram's life is that God calls us often from something it will there will be a sacrifice involved but that he wants to bless us he wants to bless us on that journey but if i stop right there i really miss the the big e on the i chart Because why does God say he's going to bless Abram? What's the purpose of that blessing? So that Abram can himself be a blessing. Now, even this translation makes it a little bit uh, conditional there, you know. I bless you so that you will be a blessing. If you have, like, the New International Version, the NIV, it has it even more passive, as though it's some future possible occurrence uh, when in fact, in the original language there, in the Hebrew, it's a very strong statement. It's an imperative statement. Whereas God says, I will bless you, it then literally says, be a blessing. So God says to Abram, I will bless you, be a blessing. God says to me, I want to bless you, be a blessing. He says to you, If you follow me, if you go on this journey, go to this undiscovered country, I want to bless you. Be a blessing. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's not something we should get around to if we have time or or the inclination. Uh, It's a foundational piece. And so Abram responds in verse 4. And it says very simply, so Abram went. He got on the bus. (laughs) as the Lord had told him. And there's actually something very profound going on there. It's, uh, it's another foundational piece. That God is always the one who does the calling. That Abram was just out there sort of putting sheep, you know, I don't know, groups of tens and twenties or something, uh, wasn't doing anything particularly noteworthy, and yet God called him. And God, in his sovereign plan, decided, I'm going to make things work out this way. But there's another piece to that that I also think is very foundational. Now, not everyone agrees with this in the, in the Christian tradition. There's, there's a variety of opinions, nothing that I think relates to someone's salvation, certainly nothing to get in a fistfight over. But, but I think when God calls us, in a very real sense it's on us to respond I really don't think it's a puppet show that God's just putting us through the motions and and some of us choose and some of us don't and you know it's just however he feels like playing the script this day that God without in any way diminishing his own sovereignty uh, his ability to make whatever he wishes to come about gives us a choice And I believe he did that with Abram. And that Abram could have said, I'm going to stay here with the sheep. Uh, I'm not going. I'm not getting on the bus. And God would have done something different. But Abram wouldn't have been part of it. And so for us, that's part of this as well. That we have a choice to respond to God's calling, whatever that might be. And if we don't, well, that's on us. And that in a sense, that journey for ourselves doesn't really begin until we make that choice. And so here's what begins to unfold in Abram's life. And eventually it gets rather, it gets kind of crazy. And I'd encourage you, uh, especially if you don't have a regular habit of reading scripture throughout the week, that this would be a great place to, uh, to jump in. And to, uh, to keep reading in chapter 12 and maybe beyond, if you think you're, you have some family issues in your background, you wait till you see this parade of freaks that uh, are marched through Scripture that God uses again and again in spite of the messed up people they are. So that should be encouraging, uh, believe it or not. But here's what begins to happen. Pick it up again in the end of verse 5 uh, through verse 9. And so it says, now when they had come to the land of Canaan, and when it says they, it's not just Abram and his, uh, and his wife Sarai, who also gets her fuller name later on, but it's their extended family. It'd be servants, uh, slaves that no doubt they would have. Uh, in fact, in verse 5, it says he stopped in Haran or Harem, I believe, and it sounds like he actually gathers other people to go with him. So there's dozens, if not hundreds of people, maybe more, that are part of this band that's traveling to this undiscovered country. And it says, When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he reveals a bit more of his plan and purpose for Abram. It says, This is the place. And it says of Abram that he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, verse 8, From there he moved on to the hill country in the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negeb. So there's a few more foundational pieces here that are helpful for us as we try to unearth what faith might look like in our own life. And one of them is this need for milestones. In this case, Abram creates two different milestones. He quite literally puts piles of stones together, probably takes one of the animals from his herds and sacrifices it, offers it up to God. But more than just a place of sacrifice, it's a milestone where it marks where God appears to him and says, here's the bigger picture. This land, you will no longer be a wandering nomad. You will have a a place to become a nation. That was worth marking. And then later on, God doesn't appear. There's nothing like that that happens. But for some reason, Abram chooses to invoke the Lord's name, Uh, Luther, the great German Protestant reformer uh, actually translated this, that he preached, which may be what's implied there, that in some way, Abram not, not only called upon the Lord and called out his name, but made him known to those who were with him, to perhaps the people he'd come in contact with in this new land, and that was noteworthy as well. That was another milestone moment, and those milestones are particularly important when we go off the map. Because Abram is now off the map, he's traveled some five hundred miles from where he grew up, and in that day and age, he literally does not know where his home is anymore. It's it's gone, uh, long gone, and and for us, we don't need milestones in the areas we already understand. You know, in the neighborhood you live in, if you've lived there for any length of time, if there's an accident at the end of one street, you know four or five other ways to go around that. You don't need milestones. But once we start going off the map, that's when those milestones become crucial. Those are the things that tell us where we've come thus far. They even give us a sense of where we're going to go. If we get lost a little bit and think, this looks familiar. Oh, yeah, there's the milestone that can get us reoriented. If we decide to turn back from where God's been calling us, that milestone haunts us. Are you really going to go backwards now? And so milestones are crucial. And then the part that I find particularly encouraging is that verse 9 where it says, Abram journeyed on by stages. And as we think of our own... uh, Journey of faith Or journey to discover what faith might be I think it's good to realize There's stages That It's not an all or nothing journey That when God calls us to a new place We will get there by stages That's part of God's grace To meet us where we are That's part of the fact that we are Limited creatures Uh and can only do so much at a time, uh, but milestones and stages. And so speaking of milestones, we have, as a church community, actually reached a, a new milestone, and one of the uh, members, one of the people that's a crucial part of Artists Church, she's also reached a milestone, and oddly enough, they uh, coincide, and so uh, I want to just share with you for a few minutes this idea, of this milestone that's going on, and. Uh, And so I want Anna to come on up. This is Anna Palo. And uh, and Anna is, as of this week, officially something. We don't quite have a title yet. That's why we have the air quotes up there. Uh, But Anna's going to be, in some way or fashion, directing women's ministry endeavors here at Artisan. That's as as close as we're going to get to a definition right now. Uh, We're throwing around things like... uh, Chief Dream Architect for Daughters of Eve, but that doesn't fit on a business card. Um, we're working on it, but, uh, but she's entering this new role. And so uh, go ahead and grab that microphone, Anna. So I wanted her to share a little bit as someone who's not several thousand years removed from us herding sheep uh, in the Mideast, um, but is here today uh, in part of our lives. And have, here's some of her story. So I imagine, Anna, this has been uh, quite a journey to say the least, to get you literally to rate here at this point, uh, could you share just a, a bit of that at first? And some of what's what's got you here?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, once I kind of came back to Christianity after several years of aggressively rejecting it, I um, kind of decided to pursue an, um, kind of my academic interests in Christianity and. So I finished an undergrad degree in religion philosophy, knew I wanted to go on for a master's or PhD, and um, was kind of exploring those options as I was also becoming um, more involved here. And in, I graduated in the winter and wound up in seminary by next fall. So <laughs> it was kind of...
0: Just I mean, found yourself I, a seminary. <laughs> um, that happens. But I was certainly following
1: something that was happening Started as an academic pursuit very drastically turned into a spiritual one. So,
0: so as you're going on that journey of sorts into what you would readily admit is a very undiscovered country, uh, what were some of those milestones? Maybe one or two of those. One from a little further back, maybe one that's closer to the events we're talking about right now. But what are a couple milestones that affirmed for you that God was indeed calling you to a new place and you were Heading in the right general direction, you know
1: um, well, when I took the membership class um, here at Artisan two summers ago, um, I got an email from one of the pastors saying that maybe um,
0: you should blame Scott Scott okay, sent the email Scott, yeah
1: Scott <laughs> and he, he thought that maybe you know um, there was some pastoral gifting somewhere you know, going on and I really kind of freaked out when I saw it, and, um, but at the same time, I mean, I freaked out because it was really scary, um, but it was also settling to know yeah. that, um, kind of the crazy thoughts that I was having in my mind were actually being affirmed by hmm. somebody not, you know, I wouldn't have taken them seriously if I didn't have some sort of outward confirmation.
0: So. And so how about, uh, a little more recently, like last few yeah. weeks or a couple yeah. months or whatever that, cause this is a, this is a big deal that you're, you're in for a world of hurt. To put You, no. <laughs> um, you know, to, to take on this role, uh, you better have some milestones that are saying, yeah, this is what I should be doing. Um, so what's one of those uh, very recently?
1: Well, recently, certainly just the growing population of women here at Artisan um, and kind of just developing relationships and seeing the diversity and really the fascination with all the women here. Um, and it kind of got to the point where I kind of was, like, waking up every day and thinking about, like, lots of people. <laughs> and <laughs> thinking, gosh, I wonder if this is, like, ministry. And, um, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with that. It just kind of seemed like it was happening naturally. So I kind of handed it over to the pastors and said, hey, there's a need. We've got to do something. Do with it what you will. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you, you recognize this need. In fact, there were things going on yeah. where uh, – where the women, some of the women artists in church were connecting with you in ways that were very pastoral, that uh, come into you for things, and you felt naturally drawn to that. And so, and so Anna approached us, and uh, you know, and it's probably not a big secret to, to many of you, but this is a very guy-centric church. Let's just be honest about it, which is actually rather unusual. We're talking some undiscovered country here. Uh, the, average, uh, the average church in America is 60-plus percent women, usually in a congregation, where we are well over half men here, uh, the average age of a, a congregation in the U.S. is is usually upwards of 50, where we are southwards of 30 here. We're like, we've we've edged up a little bit recently. We've added some young couples, so we're like bumping into 28 now, I think. So, uh, uh, and that's wild, and we don't apologize for that. In fact, if do not hear apology in my voice, that we've been really reaching uh, guys well. In fact, if you Think you hear me apologizing? You have probably misunderstood. Um, so, uh, which sadly, that's way too true. That said, though, we want to strike a balance, and we figure four guys on staff, put a woman in the mix, that'll be about right. So, no. So Anna, because she's worth at least five of us, uh, will more than over overcompensate for that. But that's that's part of the now striking a balance. So that, that's really a neat thing that's going on, and. Uh, so let me ask you to close this uh, little mini-interview here. What do you see as some of the, the uncharted territory that remains? So you've got some milestones. You've been affirmed. Uh, you felt the calling. Your church community and the leadership have, have given an outward calling there as well of some sort. But there's still stuff over the horizon. What, what are you a little unclear about what it's going to look like when you get there? Which is a weird question. Tell me what you don't know. Anything. Yeah. So <laughs> what about all, that? <laughs>
1: it's all unturned at this point. Um, I'm kind of thinking that by kind of the, the very nature of all the women that I've met so far at Artisan, it's going to kind of move in that direction, which is all over the place. <laughs> and I think that's really exciting because we don't know, you know, I mean, just after making the announcement this morning and talking to, like, you know, several people afterwards, I had no idea what was going to happen in the next, like, ten minutes. So, um...
0: <laughs> So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe have a, We may have another announcement next Sunday. Uh, who knows? So I think it'd be very appropriate for us to pray uh, with and for uh, Anna. How about? So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who calls and that you uh, give us the freedom and the privilege of responding to that call. And I thank you for your calling on Anna's life and the way uh, that, as she said, even when she was far from you, you are drawing her back and taking her ever closer to your design and purpose for her. And we just pray that as a church community, we would surround Anna with our prayers, with our support, in ways that aren't merely well-wishing and, uh, but are tangible, are, are concrete, and that we would help what she does here uh, be a tremendous success for the women uh, who are already part of Artisan and those beyond, those that we want to reach and include and invite into your family of faith, and to discover what you have for their life as well. And so I pray that you would continue to bless Anna. Thank you that she understands full well that the blessing you have poured on her life is so that she can be a blessing. And we've already experienced that here at Artisan, and we are excited to, uh, to honor and affirm that uh, in a greater way today. And so be with Anna as she takes on this new role as part of the the ministry leadership and team here at Artisan, and be with us as a church as we move forward into the undiscovered country you have for Anna and for us. We thank you and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So go ahead and welcome Anna officially. And she will be scheduling appointments immediately following the service. So no. Uh, just so you know, Anna's not going to be a full-time 60-hour-a-week. Uh, she's going to have a, a, a very focused uh, amount of time, and we'll explain some of those things in the coming weeks, no doubt. But, uh, but she's going to be leading other women to be part of stuff, not being the go-to person for everything. Uh, and so we're excited. that Actually, we think that's a healthy way for that to happen. But what a great example. It's, it's, just, it's a privilege to be a pastor and see... And see how God works in people's lives that way. And so to have seen Anna, you know, become part of Artisan, you know, a couple years ago as we were just really getting underway and what God's been doing and how she has responded to his calling, I hope is an encouragement to many of you. I hope for some it's a kick in the pants, you know, that you will have a hard time falling asleep tonight because it will haunt you a bit that, you know, what if God's calling me to do something that's off the map. And so, great example. Thank you, Anna, for, uh, for sharing that and for being that example. And then Abram, another fantastic example, a very foundational one um, that we look to as well. But where are we in that? How do we respond? Are we willing to go off the map Or do we want to stay where we know the territory, where it's familiar ground? Uh, Jesus speaks to this uh, in rather strong language, in fact. We sometimes misunderstand Jesus as this very mild-mannered Mr. Rogers type who just, you know, is passing out hugs and has a lot of, you know, kind of hallmark card sayings for us. Honestly, I, I wouldn't worship that. And I'm not sure that would save me. Uh, So I'm kind of glad that's not the way it goes. Uh, But he uses strong words. Uh, Being God, uh, I think we're going to let him do that. But his strong words in Matthew chapter 10 have a lot of hope behind them as well. Here's what he says. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 through 39, he says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me." Those are strong words. But do you hear the echo there? Go. Leave country, kindred, the house you grew up in. And he's not saying, hate your mom and dad. You know, drop your kids off on the church stairs. Uh, Be done with all that. He's saying those cannot be first place. And if they become first place, well, then there's your God. And those aren't good gods to have. And he continues on in verse 38, and he says, And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me off the map is not worthy of me. Whoever loves their map, and the things they have all worked out and figured out, and it's just the way I want it, and then he says in verse 39, and here's where it turns more hopeful. You've got to have the strong words though. As he did with Abram, he wants to be real clear, no bait and switch. But here's the great news that he shares. Though it starts out kind of (laughs) negative. He says, those who find their life will lose it. Those who have it all mapped out and say, this is where I am and I'm not moving. Yeah, that's a very temporary condition. And you will lose that. But then he goes on, he says, But, or and, those who lose their life, who go off the map for my sake, that's when they'll find it. And so if you want to find or uncover these stones and bones of faith to have a foundation to build on, don't go where it's already been excavated, dug up, turned into a tourist trap and all the good stuff is behind glass in a museum, you want to go off the map. You want to recover something that's truly valuable, you know, stop using the secondhand treasure maps. You know, if you've seen the movie, the treasure's cursed anyways, you know. (laughs) Go off the map. And If you want to find a life that is truly worth living, where you'll experience Sacrifice and loss, but also unspeakable joy and purpose, go off the map. And if you're worried about what off the map will will get you, Jesus also says this. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. He says, to those who go off the map no worries i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me when you go off the map jesus says i'm the way i'll show you how to how to go that way i will blaze the trail before you i'm the way when you no longer have mile markers and proper signage and all that stuff don't worry I'm the truth, that true north, which once you know how to orient yourself, you stop needing maps. And then he says, as far as sustaining you and providing for your needs, I'm the life. Go off the map. Are you willing to go off the map? Whether it's the map of, of a very well-defined, very comfortable Christian faith where the little legend down at the bottom explains all the features. Of course, being a map, it leaves off a whole bunch of details, but oh, those are just confusing anyways, right? So, got that. Or whether it's going off the map because you've never pursued a relationship with Christ. And that would be an undiscovered country for you. Where are you at? What stage are you at? What milestones are at work in your life? Are you willing to go off the map? Let's pray. God, we do thank you that you are a God who calls us, not to the worked over territory where it's all developments and there's nothing new you call us to undiscovered country, to fresh territory, because you always want to do a new thing in our lives and through our lives. And so my prayer, God, is that for each person here, they would go off the map, that the place they've grown most comfortable, that the area they feel they have perfectly figured out that they'd be willing to hear your call when you say, go. And they would say, yes. And they would do that. And so for those who've grown comfortable in their faith and have it all mapped out, just blow up those maps, God. Take them to new places. And especially for my friends here and those listening, who are really seeking and searching and are sensing that the map they have for their life will not lead them anywhere good. Help them take that step of faith and go off map. Receive your forgiveness, your leadership, and live life in your way. That is my prayer. And I pray it in the name of the one who is the way in the truth and the life. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, as you continue worshiping, there are many ways to respond. And for the remainder of the service tonight, and really beyond that, uh, you're invited to do that. Maybe God's been speaking to you through a song through prayers, uh, hopefully through his word. And I would encourage you not to dismiss what his spirit is working in you. One of the ways we always provide is the Lord's table, that last supper that becomes this ongoing communion meal that so perfectly represents Christ's broken body and, and shed blood given on our behalf so that we could go off the mat. And here at Artisan, we try to make that a very open and welcoming, a very grace-filled place, which I think is appropriate. If you remember that Last Supper included the likes of Judas and Peter, well, all of them, really, who all left Jesus. And if they could be there, then certainly I can approach the table. But we often describe the table as for those who are seeking to follow Jesus. But there's a tension. it's there in Scripture where the Apostle Paul says, nonetheless, we don't want to approach that table in an unworthy manner. And so just for tonight, it might be a milestone moment that if you are a follower of Christ, or let me say it this way, if you are someone who trusts that Christ has forgiven your sins, and yet if he were to ask you, to go off the map, and you were to honestly say, I'm just not there yet. I think it might be appropriate not to take communion this week. And to let that be a milestone, to be honest with where you are as a follower of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, you know, it's just bread and juice and wine at that point. So it's also appropriate not to take communion but if you're not a follower of Christ who wishes to change that reality, I can think of no better milestone for you to take and receive and to maybe tap one of the pastors to grab Anna or Scott or myself or a trusted friend here and let us know that, that's a, that you, are, you are stepping off the map We'd be glad to pray with you. And for everyone, whatever you choose to do with that, spend this time in prayer. And if changing your posture would be helpful, maybe even getting out of your seat, you know, we have the sort of the desert scape over here that we've been traveling with since Ash Wednesday. There's some chairs to sit in. There's even a place to kneel there, the kneeler. Just getting out of your chair and going and praying somewhere else that might be a meaningful milestone as well. And so those are open to you. you remain open for the remainder of worship. Uh, continue worshiping as God leads you. Amen.